Um, hey, Sandosh. Yeah. Are you ready to record? Let's do it. Okay, so first what we're going to talk about is... Do we need to intro? We're introing right now, Sandosh. Um, So we want to talk about the Internet Trends Report 2016 that just came out, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Um, So this is the moment of the year that all data geeks uh, look forward to in the industry, and there's all kinds of good data in here and um, can't cover everything um, in one sitting, but I thought it was um, interesting that um, the future of the car came up as a, as a key trend. We've seen it kind of slowly creeping up to the forefront over the last few years. But what I thought was most interesting was slide 138 um, in Mary Meeker's presentation that posed the car as a platform. And uh, we made some comments last week where uh, the car will commoditize similar to a smartphone and uh, you know, basically where the innards are hardware from one vehicle to another might not necessarily be that much different uh, in 10 years or whenever it is, 15 years. But what will drive value and differentiate brands and models is the software and the experience behind it. So that's where, you know, what does the car as a platform mean? What if I don't need to own a car? What, what does the world look like? So think about the types of things we do in our car. Um, I remember growing up watching like the like the cartoons that were hand animated, and they used to have the cars of the future where guys would be able to shave or a woman would be putting makeup on. That might actually become a reality, and you could do that very safely. Yeah. And um, it doesn't matter what car you call for on demand. You have some baseline foundation, the platform, if you would, and you can plug yourself into that car that morning and... Whatever your needs are, that car can either provide or maybe cannot provide. Before I came to Dynamo, I was up in New York, and this is something that we debated uh, with my old team a lot, is kind of what is the right way to go? Apple kind of looks at the world where they're a walled garden. They own everything from silicon up to the app, even. But Google kind of says, you know what, we don't really... Uh, want to dictate, you know, who the hardware's from, or you know what you really do fine tune with your app. You know, we just want to help out wherever it makes sense from our area of strength. So, what does that mean for the the car as a platform? So maybe it would be great if um, you take your phone. And you just kind of plug it into your car, and your car wakes up like this. And that's something you you asked yesterday. Sure, that's great, but I think you'll see that coming from the Android side of the world before you see it coming from the iOS side of the world. But the flip side is not wrong either, where maybe you walk in and your car has a computing unit already and is its own separate um, state from your phone, but they both tether together. They share that back-end understanding and knowledge that this phone during the course of its day has been to Community Pine Chattanooga, drove down to Atlanta, came back late that night, and then the next morning you wake up and you're walking to your car, and your car, you know, wakes up and just has some kind of understanding and context. Mm -hmm. So I think that's where we're going. We're driving more context by adding just another node or endpoint into the magic formula and uh, an equation that is um, consumer devices and, and the ecosystem. It took me a little while to get there, but for me, I think I, I will. What I would like for it to become is the car becomes a more seamless transition from different location to location. Mm-hmm. I almost don't want to notice my car. I think yeah. that's 
Right now, your car, first of all, you spend all your money on your car. If your car breaks down, it's the biggest hassle in your life. It's a pain in your ass all the time. But if I can just summon my car, jump in, whether it be plug my phone in or whatever and have it kind of customize my experience, it's almost like, you know, I can be listening to literally the same podcast, um, probably this podcast, from my house (laughs) as I plug into my car. It just becomes this almost invisible force that just takes me to the next place. Yeah. Um, so, 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 so go back there. You, you talked about, I don't own a car for uh, full disclosure, move from New York. I'm going to try to just ride the fact that I truly think that ride sharing will be prevalent enough by the mm-hmm. time I need a car in a few years or truly need one. Yeah. But what you said, it's a pain when it breaks down yeah. maintenance, finding it in a parking lot, uh, yeah. loading people in and out of it. Cause you have kids, yes. but that's where ride sharing becomes beautiful where, um, you don't need to worry about the breakdowns. You don't need to worry about maintenance. Absolutely. That's on a completely different party. And where your phone comes in is that it's still your car. Because if you can walk right, you in it. and it's seamless where you go from office to commute mm-hmm. to home and you have some brain with you and that brain is connected to the other brains in your yeah. life, there's something interesting to happen there. And ultimately it might... Um, it might be additive to each of the business models, the Google's business model, Apple's business model, and it, it'll drive their strengths, if you would. Yeah, I also see this will improve people's productivity and even the connections between people, at least for me, when I get out of my house and I load my kids in the car and then I have to drive, it takes me completely out of my the state of mind I was in beforehand. Mm-hmm. Like we were talking about, it's inconvenient. Um, I'm driving, I'm focused on that, I have kids screaming in the back. But if I'm able to get into a car that kind of just takes care of me, mm-hmm. I'm able to focus on my kids or focus sure. on the phone call I was already on. Yeah. It's just allowing, like I said, seamless. It's allowing me to stay in the same state of mind from each location, yeah. which, I, I don't know, sounds delightful to me. What it's kind of boiling down to, what you're saying, is that this this allows humans to be more human. And I was thinking about this in the elevator where when everything gets automated and we kind of come to the state where right now people think like that's sci-fi, it's almost as if humans created some of the problems that we're out solving Mm because we're humans and we're creating civilizations and that, you know, brings up needs, but then we can just focus on being human. We Mm -hmm. don't need to worry about rushing from one place to another more so because everything else is taking care of itself and our basic needs are provided for. You can focus on your child or focus on just frankly enjoying being in the moment. So I think that's definitely cool. I know um, that's something that a lot of people say is, you know, really far away, but I personally don't think it's as far away as, as, uh, as other critics. Yeah, but. I mean, I'm hoping by the time my five-year-old drives that uh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to have yeah. not have to worry five-year-old about Five-year-old who's four right now, so. She's four? Is she five? She's five, Sam. Oh, I thought by the time she was five. Oh, no, 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 no. Five-year-old. By yeah. the time she's driving. I don't know if I said but that. But then uh, five-year-olds could drive, right? If it's just on yeah, demand, true. you just summon them a, a vehicle, a capsule, even. Oh, my God. This is getting... That's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, it's another point that was brought up in this presentation, and it's just something I think that's in- interesting here on a Friday afternoon is um, slide 147. Um, does this bring America back as the hub, the global hub of uh, the auto industry? And I'm going to kind of go out here and just say I don't think it matters. Um, I don't think it matters because of the... Um, 
lens with which I view the world and the industry that if the car is going to become a platform similar to the smartphone, mm-hmm. ladies and gents, turn your iPhones around that you're listening to this podcast potentially on, and you'll notice it says designed by Apple in California, assembled in China. And I think we just need to understand uh, as a global society that each region has its strengths and it happens that manufacturing is an Asian strength. And what here in the U.S. we're very good at is design and the software systems, how we architect them, think through that, the human interaction behind it, and let our counterparts and colleagues Mm -hmm. figure out the optimization of the manufacturing line, what components make sense, what doesn't make sense. And that's where Apple, you know, has really done well, kind of splitting it and saying that some things need to be done away from home, other things can be done at home. And uh, we had talked about, you know, there's six points here, but I would say, you know, maybe point six education, university, innovation accounts for this. But number seven definitely is, you know, if here in the U.S. we view our strength as kind of the design and the, the architects of the software and even the hardware, um, we need to make sure that we stay on top of the talent. Um, you know, we need to make sure that we're still opening our borders up and our welcoming of other cultures, thoughts minds, races, so on and so forth, that kind of make us who we are, because that's where, you know, the minds really mesh and do a lot of cool things. Um, so that's, I think, the, the missing component that we need to get back on the forefront of opening our borders up and having a good immigration um, policy, especially for talent. Um, point that we were talking about in the office, and just a couple of us is, um, Bezos was a code conference earlier this week and, um, you know, I was following it on the Twitter, the Twitter, that's what it's called. And, um, he made some interesting points. Um, the, the one thing is that this physical bookstore is an enigma. Nobody knows how to think about it. And mm-hmm. I think it added even more mystery to it all when, um, he said something, I'm looking at Bill Gross's Twitter and he kind of tweeted out little snippets uh, the physical bookstore is highly curated, only 5,000 titles all face out on the shelf. It's an experiment for a different need. Dun, dun, dun. Ooh, very vague, and, mysterious, intriguing. And, and yeah, it's intriguing. What could that need be? I mean, is it the fact that, frankly, brick and mortar still holds value as a showroom? People want to touch things. We are physical beings People still. People want to touch things. Um, <laughs> and uh, we're very tactile. And is that what it is? Um, a little while ago... We wrote, we wrote that blog post about Warby Parker and how they do the supply chain. And, you know, they're an e-commerce uh, retailer, but they also do have showrooms um, in very select areas. And it reminded me of Amazon saying these are highly curated, um, uh, highly curated bookstores. Um, and Warby Parker does this where they only put them in very specific areas, and they're more for showrooms rather than a, like a store, like a traditional place you're going to go and, and get all your needs met. Um, and it makes me think that, yeah, there is a value in a person being able to go and kind of experience mm-hmm. it before making a purchase. Sure. And in terms of competitiveness between different e-commerce retailers, you know, it is easy for things to get blurred online on a screen when you can't feel the clothing or you can't feel the book or really look at it mm-hmm. and hold it, um, whatever it may be. There's, you know, at some point when everything's online, what's going to differentiate 
one store from another. Sure. Um, and it might be these very curated, beautiful stores. So on a weekend when I want to go out and just hang out, I might go to this bookstore just to have the experience. And then that will convince me, oh, I want to buy this book and I'll just automatically go. Sure. I'm going to go to Amazon because that's where I saw it. Yeah. Um, and then future purchases I'll do there as well. Here is uh, the super sci-fi side of me and it, maybe it'll blow your mind. It's but definitely going to. What if you pick and choose kind of things that you are interested in mm-hmm. and uh, by the end of any given day, just a pod autonomously shows up to your front door and in it are what you picked out and yeah. you have 24 hours right. to send it back. And if you pull it out, you've bought it, but yeah. you can touch, feel, try it on. And yeah. then you just close the pot up. And it goes back to its distribution center. I think that's very realistic. I mean, if you, what's that uh, store stitch fix? Yeah. Is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. You can already have the experience of trying something on and sending it back. Mm-hmm. Now you're just adding that autonomous car. It's, al- it's automated. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, that's very possible. Santosh for sure. I'll go back to my mad scientist lab after yes. this. <laughs> um, all right. Do you want to talk about other things or are we done? Oh, I think we're good. All right. Well, um, everybody have a good Friday and send us your thoughts. And thanks for listening. Yeah? Yeah. Cheers. <laughs>